joined, as always, Renee Washington. Guys, just because there hasn't been any union soccer doesn't mean we're not going to talk about some soccer here today. We had international plays, dupers around the world. <laughs> we're going to look at some salaries. We want to talk about some salaries here today. So we got it all here for you. And, of course, I have to welcome on in, fresh off of dancing from the tailgates, <laughs> Renee Washington. Renee, what's going on? Oh, man. Yeah, I was dancing. Okay. I love the comments. I, I love the comment. Listen, Mexico knows how to tailgate. Oh, and it made that. me want to go to an international soccer game that much more. Like, I've yes. already had it on my bucket list. So I want to go to a game in, like, Europe or something. Because I always tell people, even though I haven't experienced it firsthand, just from watching how different it is American soccer versus the rest of the world's football. And so being at that the mixture of the Flyers home opener, the mm -hmm. Phillies game. Um, and then of course, Mexico, Germany, Mexico literally ran the tailgates, had really? the best hands down. So what best. lots were they really in though? Everywhere. Really? Every, lot, Everywhere. every lot. It was Mexico. They, it was a huge takeover from the moment. I mean, you saw from driving down yes. with us from the moment you started even driving in around Packer Ave, they were, <laughs> they were out and about selling shirts and gear and merchandise. And then the actual tailgates, Nobody tailgates like this. Like yeah. Phillies fans, and you didn't even see Germany fans. You didn't even see as many <laughs> Flyers fans, I hate to say it. But the Flyers game also started earlier, which is right. why, of course. So the Phillies fans had their small, you know, little George Foreman type of grill. <laughs> the Mexico fans had like the double tier wide, like grills that like you see in your backyard. Right, right, right. You know, they had air fryers. Play they no were making games. ceviche, tacos, and pinatas. They had all burritos, all types of stuff. Just food everywhere, everywhere. They, Dancing, music. They, they never Ooh. fail. And from what a lot of people don't know is I was Uber driver for Renee and Jamie, <laughs> which was awesome. But being down there, like for me, it hit close to home because yeah. obviously growing up a Philly sports fan, growing up with the Latin culture, that's literally what it's like for Columbia matches. We have, I, I was asking, I had, uh, we were waiting in, in, at the light. And there was a lady selling shirts and hats, and I had to ask how much it was. It, it's just a crazy experience. It's a lot of fun. Um, we witnessed a little bit of that a couple years ago with the Champions League with America, Club America. But I love seeing you know you dancing in there. You got into <laughs> you got into the circle, dancing a little cumbia. The food is always spectacular. So hopefully, you know, we can get some more international games. It's obviously big for growing the sport in our city, having these international games, having different fan bases. And to intertwine that with the World Series was really cool to see as well. Yeah, and I mean, the greatest part was exactly that. It was so eye-opening for everybody. And I, listen, anywhere I hear music and see good food, count me in because I love to dance. I love I love good food. So that's all I needed. But to see how they were just out in droves and there were so many of them, all ages, they had their babies out there strapped <laughs> on the back. They had the whole family in, and were wearing Mexican garb too. Yeah. So this is what the international break brings. It's an opportunity that you have two teams like Germany and Mexico playing here in Philly, for example. And for anybody that's out there, whether you're, you know, going to the Phillies game, the Flyers game, or obviously going to the, to the soccer game, it's such an eye-opening experience just to see how different it is and to see how they celebrate their culture, how they celebrate their teams, how they cheer yes. for them. So I, I don't love the international breaks, to be honest. I'm one of the biggest ones that kind of, you know, just complains, especially a time like this for the MLS with playoffs looming. You know, playoffs are, it's decision day, Saturday, Playoffs are right around the corner and you have your best players that are out traveling around the world representing their respective countries at a time that you really should be focusing on your club yes. and focusing on your team. But after being a part of that experience, I will say, nah, I do enjoy it a little bit more. And now. when Memo Choa, <laughs> the great Memo Choa says that Mexico needs to play more matches in Philly because of the atmosphere. I mean, that says a lot about yeah. what it was there. On, That's fantastic. On Tuesday night. Yeah, it was absolutely great. And yes, the NLCS. I'm sorry, not the World Series. NLCS. <laughs> but let's let's talk a little bit about World the World Series is soon. The World Series. We're hey, manifesting it. Not, not yeah, going wood. Not going wood, Philly. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the rest of international break. Obviously, yeah. we had our guys representing throughout the world. Shouts out to all of our players that were out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll look at some of these guys here. Obviously, you know, you kind of do start off here with the with our Jamaicans. Andre Blake and Damian Lowe. They didn't play in the first match against Grenada. That was a 4-1 victory. Shouts mm -hmm. to Jamaica. Uh, but they did play in the in the Haiti win. Both of them played 90 minutes. So shouts to Andre and Damian. She's throwing up for 90 minutes there. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's great that the Union have eight different guys that are out for, you know, 
with Venezuela, with Jamaica, with the U.S. Uh, under 23s. For Damian Lowe and for Andre Blake, um, you know, you got to see Damian start and play all 90 minutes in the 3-2 win. Same with Andre. And then Andre just had a pair of saves, didn't have to do as much in that win over Haiti. But then both of them didn't didn't dress in the next game, as you talk about, and now are looking for Jamaica to face Canada in the Nations League quarterfinals in November. So, yeah. you know, as much as we're talking about this international break, there's another one coming up very quickly in November with yes. the quarterfinals. But, you know, I, I think the toughest part for the union when you look at the international break is a number of these guys, and it takes me right into Venezuela mm-hmm. with Jose and, um, and Jesus, guys aren't healthy. And this is something every club is facing right now. Don't get me wrong. They're literally on the same boat with this. But it's it's tough because this break should be a time. It could be a time to to rest, maybe yeah. regroup. Um, I know Jefferson said that for Jacob Glessness. He did have time to rest, for example. They gave him a day off. But you want to get some more of those guys a day off. And someone like Andre and Jose, who are so pivotal for this group moving forward into the playoffs, Tough to see. But we did see Jose get to play, got an assist in the game for Venezuela in their 3-0 victory on Chile. Uh, did not play in the 1-1 draw. Yeah. He's also been nursing an injury. So yeah. it's, it's tough, JP. Yeah, I, I do real quick want to shout out Venezuela. Like, people don't recognize Venezuela has always been a nation about baseball. Mm. All right. Soccer's always Great been the, the secondary sport. But they are knocking on the door of their first ever World Cup qualification. And if you have players like El Brujo, and Jesus Bueno representing that, yeah. that's huge for our club. But, yeah, we do definitely want to get that shout-out. Uh, Jose did look really good against Chile. That was an interesting match because um, a Chilean midfielder, I forget his name, I think it was Perez, but he get he gets a red card, like, in the 13th minute. One of the mm-hmm. quickest red cards in <laughs> CONMEBOL history. And then, so, Venezuela took that momentum, scored three yep. unanswered. Obviously, you don't like to hear Brujo, you know, suffering another knock there. But that would be really cool to see Venezuela in a World Cup here, uh, here, here in the United States, Canada, yeah. and Mexico. So that would definitely be really cool. But um, El Brujo played, Venezuela played in a 4-3-3. El Brujo played as that central defensive midfielder. Mm-hmm. As many know, in a 4-3-3, there's a lot more freedom, a lot more flexibility. And as someone who's advocated for the union to play more in a 4-3-3, I am not going to lie to you, got a little giddy scene there. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, look, the other part of this is you get to see what players look like with uh, with somebody else. Yes. You know, I, I do enjoy that. Like, we always are seeing for Jose, you're seeing him in the mix in the midfield with, you know, Jack and, and Ali. And, okay, what does he look like when he's with Venezuela? And how does his talent that we see all the time transfer over into that? And for... You know, just a quick shout out to our our beat writer who yes. put together an awesome article, Larry Henry Jr., who wrote this piece just outlining everything, you know, in terms of union players on international duty. And in that also shared, you know, as you're talking about the growth of Venezuela, sitting fourth in the World Cup qualifying table, uh, right seven points us, across Columbia. four matches. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it is great to see how we've continued to have, you know, different different nations improve yes you know a a team like venezuela not just a country known for baseball and jose martinez is a huge part of that so shout out to 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 him and for venezuela for honestly being able to to turn a corner yeah as a a team and speaking of which you know speaking of players helping represent for countries that aren't really known for soccer i mean you look at hungary as well Mm -hmm. hungary's doing a really good job gazag in the last one against lithuania on Saturday, he got himself 46 minutes there. He didn't play in the first one against Serbia. Yeah. But super dope seeing him there. Obviously, everyone talks about the upset against England last year. Gazak scored a goal in that one. So, yeah, I mean, not only are these guys helping build a soccer culture, soccer community mm-hmm. here in Philly, but they're helping their own nations as well. So it's really yeah. cool to see. It is. And then also on top of that, you know, to see the success is such a great part of just the confidence, too. Oh, yeah. You know, you think about going into, yeah, you had the international break. You step away. You're playing alongside your respective teams. You're scoring goals. You're getting assists. You're winning games. You know, the pride of rocking your your country's colors, your flag. I always enjoy. I've done some CONCACAF games on the youth level that I've been a broadcaster for. And it's so great to see the pure joy and excitement oh, yeah. in everyone's faces when you hear your country's national anthem playing and you've got your pennant and your flag that you're waving and, you know, everyone's standing and singing along with you. And it's it's emotional. It's a lot. Now, obviously, none of these men are out there crying. That's that's just, you know, me doing that. But it is still a lot of pride that comes with that. So yeah. as much as it's a, it's frustrating on the more minutes, more physically on the emotional side, 
it might also feel like a breath of fresh air to yes. kind of like take a step back, play with your brothers, go represent your country, and and then get back to the playoff push and then get back to the MLS. Bringing it back to Philly pride, though, like imagine like 2026, oh. we have our World Cup. You're going to have possibly former union players, yeah. hopefully current union players representing for their nation. I don't know about you, Renee, but that gets me excited as well. Seeing dupe nation mm-hmm. at the World Cup. That'd be really awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, and it being here, yes. it's like, it's it's awesome. It's incredible to think about, like, for as great as soccer has been growing over the last months, especially, it feels like we're only just skimming the surface. Yes. You know, there's so much more to come up for the world's game of more opportunities, exposure, you know, games, conversations, shows like ours, you know, just more that people are able to check out. So definitely make sure you're hitting that like button, subscribing, keeping up to date with what we've got going on because we've got plenty to talk about today. Um, Look, the international break was not a break at all in the sense of topics, lack of topics to talk about. It was just a break from MLS games. But in terms of topics, we've got plenty of those. Uh, But also not only were the, the, older veterans getting things done how about the youngsters the homegrown the under 23 u.s national team was represented well with a few union players uh jack mcglynn nathan harriel and uh, brandon craig all across the roster for the u.s men's national team under 23s they had a a, a 2-1 win over mexico and they each got solid minutes harriel and mcglynn each played 87 minutes actually uh combined which is funny um, and then on the on the game against Japan, their their minutes were 60 here and there. Brandon Craig, though, 79 logged minutes in the first one against Mexico and then uh, came off the bench in both matches, though, and had 30 minutes against Mexico and uh, 49 against Japan. So a combined 79, I should say, for him and a combined 87 for Harriel and McGlynn. I was yeah, really I'm really happy to see because I talked to Jim during the fantasy camp about um, Nate and Jack. Obviously, it's really hard to watch those matches, but <laughs> from every indication from Jim, they did a solid job. They did what they had to do. Um, nothing, obviously nothing out of the ordinary, but they did their job. The Brandon Craig one is obviously extremely interesting. Yes. Um, I know you you have some words to say, but I, for one, I've been banging on that Brandon Craig drum for over a year now. I when I watch him out there, I, I've seen good stuff, but obviously I'm not a coach. I'm sitting behind a microphone, so I'm not the one to get the the expertise per se. But when I watch Craig, I do see someone who's comfortable who could play in this league. But you know, and he's obviously getting call ups by the under 23s. But it's 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 weird. It's definitely weird. Weird is a good word to describe it. I mean, I, there's there's so much young talent for the union mm-hmm. and we've definitely been watching how they've picked and chosen and, and fit into the roster. You know, Jack McGlynn, a player that has become more of a possession player in the midfield for the union and just kind of sits in and just fills in the gaps. And Nate Harriel as an outside back has been helpful. And Baiza, who's been injured, we actually didn't even mention him, but he's been injured. He only played a total of four minutes in the game for Cameroon and their loss to Russia did not play. Um, in the game against Senegal, he's been injured. Kai Wagner, of course, has, has been between the suspension and different things, hasn't always been out there. And Nate Harrell's been a player that's been able to step on the back line. Brandon Craig, though, has been a question mark. And, you know, I know many, like we talked about, weird, wondering what's going on there, wondering what is possible there. Yeah. But I, Jim Curtin had a, a really good point uh, in talking to him earlier today. That he feels like Craig is a guy, as he was saying, that's too good for the Union 2 team. His talent is, he feels like it's not beneficial to play there. But not good enough to play with the Union on the back line. And obviously, there's there's a lot of talent there, to say the yes, least. Yes, for <laughs> I mean, sure. You're, complete, you're competing against, you know, Defensive Player of the Year. You're competing against Jack Elliott, who's who's been back there forever. Those two have complimented each other. Damian Lowe, who's that number three already, that if they're playing in a three-back, is, is locked in for that spot. If it's a four-back and you need him to step in, can do that. So then where does Brandon Craig fit into all this? And that's the tough part. And we saw him down in Austin. I know people were asking, like, mm-hmm. what is going on there? Is he, are you going to bring him back? Yeah. What's that? He's not playing there. He's, like, awkwardly in between where he doesn't fit in with a team right now. And it's just an odd situation overall, JP. It, it, it definitely is really odd. Um, from my understanding, down in Austin, uh, Wolf, uh, Josh Wolf, who's the manager down there, 
uh, coach on there, he's he's just very keen on his guys. He yeah. likes the center backs. He didn't want to change it. And also was one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I, I, I can't answer for that. I would assume maybe give the guy who came from the club that only develops great center backs, maybe <laughs> give him a shot. Listen, I'm not an Austin. But it's tough here because you mentioned it. Glazes is here. Looks like he's going to be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Elliot also yeah. looks like he's going to be here for the foreseeable future. You still have Damian Lowe who, listen, it's interchangeable with those guys. Mm-hmm. And then you also bring in Aluithu Mip. Plain Hilu, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that all, all the way through. So we did just sign him to the under 22 initiative right. uh, from South Africa. And from every indication, he looks pretty solid. Uh, so for Brandon, that leaves him with not many options. So no. it kind of sounds like for Brandon, it's like, you know, you like Chicago. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you like some of these bottom feeder teams? Because that's kind of like what Jim is kind of hinting at there. Yep. And we'll see what Ernst, if Ernst can get anything for him. I, I, it's just crazy to me because when you're talking about this league and the lack of defensive players in yep. general, the lack of – we don't have really quality center backs in this league. We have solid Mm-mm. fullbacks, but center backs, it's not really it's – not, it's not a lot there. So I would assume that some of these teams will, may want to take a waiver on a kid who's – been in the union system for a while now, but yeah, I will see. Yeah, Jose Nunez, you're you're joining and saying hey. you smell another loan next year. Martian, hello to you too. Also, Martian Lynch, nice to have you there. And Will, appreciate you, Martian. Um, you know, definitely drop drop in the chat what your what your thoughts are. I mean, it's a tricky situation. I know we were talking about it on the call today with Jim, and he was talking about he does. You know, he's he's talented. We all see that. He's young. He's got. He's got a lot of upswing, but there are so many good center backs in front of him. And that's a really tough position to be in because you don't rotate your center backs. No. So I understand, as you're talking about down in Austin, the mentality, you're not, inter- you're not, you know, sharing the roles of center back. You know, you can split time in any position in, in soccer, really, except your keeper and your center backs. And even your, your outside backs are pretty tricky, but I've seen some teams get away with splitting their outside backs minutes. So I think for... You know, when you look at the bigger picture with Brendan, Brandon, excuse me, it is a hard situation because he's so young and you don't want him to just yep. be planted on the bench and not ever have a chance to see what his potential is and see if he can be a top center back in the league. But on the other side, Jim's like, look, as a center back myself with two of the best center backs in the league, how do I put him in? I know I was even asked today, like, do you bring him back in to, for the playoffs? And he's like, you know, and play where he can maybe be on the roster, but and play where. So yeah. it is really, really hard that you have for the center back role. That's your leaders. That's your generals. I know, Will, you're saying you're learning a lot more about the union we and appreciate soccer. That, Will. We love that because we are trying to make sure that we're reaching all different levels. And for anybody that's not aware of the center back role and kind of how you identify yourself on the team, you're the, usually the leader, the captain. You're someone that's used to playing every minute of the game for the most part. The only time center backs usually come out is if you're injured or you're making an absolutely terrible mistake. You know, yeah. you're just having an off day. So that's why this Brent, Brandon Craig situation is so difficult because Brandon has talent. He does well with the U23s. He does. He's too good for the Union 2. But he's not good enough for Austin. And they're definitely not good enough for the Union. And like you're talking about, Jose, maybe there's opportunity there to use him in a loan or for, you know, some sort of capital in that sense. So yeah. I don't and obviously, the union are looking are more inclined to take advantage of that option, loaning yeah. out players. You've seen Andres Pereira this year, mm-hmm. maybe in the future, because the union may not be getting what they would like per se for Brandon Craig. That could be an option as well, loaning him out to a different team in the in the league. And yeah, I hope nothing but the and for Brandon too. Like keep your head up high. Yeah. like you still have plenty of opportunities. You're still really young. He's got a lot of raw ability, and it's just about taking advantage of those opportunities when they do come for him. Well, the other thing that's tough is this is why at a young age, and I'm not saying Brandon, this is not his fault or anything. At a young age for soccer, especially you preach versatility, but for any sport, because in a situation like this, had Brandon been able to be a player that can also maybe play some outside back or play in the holding midfield, you know, maybe there's opportunities for him to get minutes there, but his style of play is more conducive to be a center back. I know we were talking about that before the show of like his build, his style. He's a true center back. So it limits you because that's a role that you are locked into. And it's hard to come in and knock somebody off of that, that starting spot. Now I've seen in some situations in my experience playing, but even in general, where sometimes someone like Brandon will come in and maybe if you can move 
a, you know, Glasnes or, or Elliot into a different role to get them all on the field. Yeah. Sometimes you would see coaches do that, but you can't do that here either. You know, that's something that's been tossed around in the past. Doesn't work. Um, so it's right now the center back role is locked in. I mean, we were already talking about what do you do with Damian Lowe? Yeah. So now, Brandon, you're you're even lower on the totem pole, unfortunately, on the depth chart, I should say, because Damian Lowe is already yeah. knocking on the door trying to get minutes as a center back and trying to show he's deserving of being a top center back for this team instead of that number three guy. And real quick, Brandon, just look at the perfect example, another union homegrown who's yes. playing, who has got sold to Arsenal, Austin Trusty. That's a perfect example. He loses out his job. Mark McKenzie and Jack Elliott played great. Ah, and made a great back. <laughs> tru made Trusty expendable. He goes to Colorado, plays really well, and he's had his opportunities now in the Premier League. And that is a prime example. You just got to take advantage of your opportunities, just like Austin Trusty did. There you go. Shout that's trusty. a great point. You miss you, man. I, mean, I know. I was like, gosh, that's, kid, that was man. some great defenders. You forget about it. Someone like Mark. And, and, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. There's so much opportunity where it's, you know, if it doesn't make sense with the union, as hard as that is to have that conversation. And I know there's been some of those hard conversations lately for the union. Ali, um, you know, there's always opportunity to play somewhere else. And yes. and that's OK, Kai, you know, whether it's because you're you're not good enough to get minutes or maybe because it's time to make a move and you feel like you've outgrown the team in a sense. So I think for Brandon Craig, he's in that same mix of kind of being stuck in between, as Jim talks about. And it's to me makes sense loaning him somewhere else, going to a different league, if, if that even is the better move to make sure you're able to play. You don't want to be, and as someone retired, take advantage of the years you can play because it goes by very fast and all of a sudden you're on the other side and you're retired and washed. So, you know, if you're Brandon Craig right now and you're in the prime age uh, and you're, you know, he's a tremendous center back, there's there's a home for you somewhere. And that's for, that's for certain. It just right now isn't, sadly, with the union it looks like. But there's sure. also a home for you guys if you want to buy some sunglasses and oh, yeah. check those out. Shady Rays is the place to do it. Now, it doesn't matter if it's summer, fall, winter, spring, whatever season it is, it's always a good time to rock some quality shades. And Shady Rays has sunglasses that are built to last. And our friends at Shady Rays have you covered so you can have premium polarized shades and some quick swap snow goggles that won't break the bank. Affordable. Very feasible, makes sense for all the seasons. So it's seasonal and uh, it's something that you should definitely check out. So I want you guys to go check out when you have a chance Shady Rays. You can use the code PHLY to see their amazing deals for the season and go to ShadyRays.com. Use that code PHLY to get 50% off. It's on your screen, 50% off with that code. And you can check out, maybe you buy two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses, check out their shades. And also they have shades that have been rated very highly across uh, the board by a lot of people. So five stars by over 250,000 people. The numbers don't lie. You can love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair, return them for free. Whatever it is, Shady Rays always has you covered to make it easy, affordable, and seasonal, which we like too. I'm definitely well, taking advantage of that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like an interesting sunglasses person. I'm very particular. I have a problem with them. You have a problem? What's I, your problem? I love sunglasses. Oh, like an uh, obsession. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love sunglasses. Oh, so <laughs> That's my like, problem. Nah, Shady Rays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if you lose or break yours, Shady Rays will repair them. So, like, I, I've terrible, terrible story really quickly. I had a pair of Ray Bans that I decided to use in like Back in college, I wore them to a party one time. Mm -hmm. Rookie mistake. Yep. Don't know where those Ray-Bans are to this day. Probably laying on like a frat house floor somewhere or something. <laughs> and nobody replaced my Ray-Bans when I lost them. So, look, I I don't do well with sunglasses. I either lose them, I drop them. So, it's tough. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But, you sure. know, <laughs> what else is tough is the U.S. men's national team mm -hmm. having a tale of two games. And yes. honestly, a tale of two halves, especially in that first game. Now, in the international break for the U.S. men's national team, and I know we, we do have Brendan Aronson, who's, who represents. Oh, you know, yeah. We don't have current union players that are actively representing on the U.S. men's national team in a meaningful way. Um, but that's okay, because for the U.S. men's national team, they had a 3-1 loss to Germany. That was on last Saturday, and then turned around and on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, I should say, 1-4-0 mm -hmm. against Ghana. A nice response back. And also you saw in that 3-1 loss on Saturday, uh, they had a strong first half, 
had opportunities, weren't able to finish those opportunities, and you can't capitalize, even though Christian Pulisic had a beautiful goal. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> oh my a nice God. goal. <laughs> Germany did capitalize on their chances and uh, were able to come back and rattle off three unanswered goals and win the game. Why was the Germany <laughs> match played in a college football s- stadium? I don't ever like that. <laughs> it was just one. Like, that was also the same exact pitch that Toronto played during COVID. And the union actually lost there. So I have bad memories there for <laughs> soccer. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I, always, I found that very interesting that you're playing at the Connecticut. It's University of Connecticut. Yeah, I almost went there, actually. Connecticut has like a decent soccer field, but it's not as big, obviously, in terms of seating as the Rentschler field. But <laughs> I couldn't even pronounce that. Rentschler is, <laughs> is my guess. It's like Schler, I think is what it is. Um, I don't know. And I'm not a huge fan of that. I know like I was even looking... At like the Iowa women's, Iowa women's basketball team had a, an exhibition game and they were playing in their football stadium. Like a lot so, of, there was like a volleyball match that yeah, happened in Nebraska. It's like it's a thing now that to have a place to have a full on exhibition game with more fans, you play mm-hmm. in a football stadium. But the other option is to maybe just find a soccer stadium that can fit you. But the Ghana match they played <laughs> at Geodis, so why not find another MLS? That's what I mean. Like there's there, between the NWSL and the MLS, there are plenty of yeah. soccer specific stadiums that have the same amount of seats yeah. that you can find. You know, it's we're gone are the days of like you having to reach and play at Rentschler Field because you need to have more seats when you can just I mean in Connecticut yeah, you could go to New England and play there. You, although they play Gillette, actually. No, so, no, you can't Gillette go there. You can't go there. <laughs> we don't like that either. That's not helping at all. Okay, maybe you don't go in the Northeast and you go just to another part of the country and play. There's one in, in Chester, a in Chester, Pennsylvania. There is, not... Oh, there is one in Chester, Pennsylvania <laughs> called Subaru. Oh, my God. You could have played there. There are so many options for there fields. Is. You could have went to Red Bull Arena. We don't like Red Bull. And I don't even like that I have to wear red on the show today, but Phillies. Um, <laughs> you could have went to Red Bull Arena. Like, there are stadiums that are beautiful perfect soccer pitches got the grass got the lines got everything you need yeah but that's a whole other issue i guess maybe it's i don't know what that's about to be honest i don't know (laughs) i don't know it doesn't make sense the math's not mathing it's it's definitely not i will say i did enjoy the fact that the u.s men's national team responded they've been a team that we as soccer fans have struggled to wrap our heads around because every time you want to root for them and you think Greg Berhalter's got it figured out and you think Christian Pulisic and the rest of the team are going to take that next step and Gio Reyna and everyone, it's kind of like they they disappoint you a little bit. But, you know, I think the Ghana response was at least encouraging. Yeah. The first half was, was encouraging against Germany and the Ghana response was encouraging. Yeah, and I'll give this full disclosure here for everyone. I don't root for the U.S. Men's National So I'm learning along with <laughs> everyone else who's learning about soccer about the U.S. Men's National So I'm going to give you the perspective from the outside. When I watch this U.S. team, I love that front line. And if Burhalter is going to put the differences aside with Reyna, him yeah. at that 10 was really, really dazzling. You mix the speed with the creativity of Gio Reyna. I absolutely love that. Um, and then when you get Balagon as your number nine, obviously that was a big win for the U.S. men's national team to be able to get him. It's really dope. Christian Pulisic as a wing, he's I, I to me, I know he can play the 10, but I love him there as a wing because he's so versatile. And when you give him freedom, yeah. he's that kind of playmaker, which is crazy to think about as an American thinking that he can be that type of playmaker. But that is what Christian Pulisic can absolutely be. Um, I love Timothy Weah as well as a winger. Uh, he was that was the four against against Ghana, and those guys put yeah. four goals past Ghana. Now Ghana is it's not, I, and I don't want to you know bring up bad memories from my U.S. <laughs> men's national fans, but it's oh, not the 2010 yeah. team. It's a it's a solid team, but they still have work to do. Yeah, and so the U.S. did their job. But my concern looking at this team is there is not a set center back duo for the United States. Tim Ream is going to be 38 years old come World Cup time, and that's probably mm. your best center back. Yeah. Miles Robinson, really good, but coming off that injury is questionable. Chris Richards, I'm not too impressed with him. So the United States got to figure that out at that position because it got exposed. I mean, I, I remember watching the Netherlands match. I saw the how they got exposed, how Netherlands exposed the United States. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is a really solid attacking team. But that defensive structure, something that we stress a lot here in Philly, they got to figure that out. 
Well, it's ironic because we talk about the union having too many good center backs. The U.S. men's national team could use one, um, you know, but they're not American center backs. So I think it also is very telling of the development of U.S. soccer as a whole on the men's side. interesting, yeah. Because you do see a very heavy, like, midfield forward type of a mindset. And, Coach, I know your son actually is dealing with this right now at the youth level. He's he's an attacker, but they're playing him at center back because he's also a good center back. And you see that a lot at the youth level in this country where – Coaches will put you at center back, but that's not your best position. So what they're doing essentially is you might be a really good midfielder or forward, but because you're tall, fast, aggressive, whatever it is, read the game well, they might put you at center back and they're never taking time to properly groom a true center back. Yeah. So now that that person, when they get to high school or college and they real, they, they're like, I was that person. I was, I was, I was a center back. I would, I would play holding mid. And that wasn't, I didn't like defense. It was, I'm more of a creator. So once I got older, it got to the point I was like, no, I want to be in the attack. I want to create goals. Score the goals. I want to get and celebrate. I do. That's what I did. That's what I, I was a goal scorer. So I got older and I didn't play center back. I didn't play defense at all. I was all in the attack. And then on the other side of it, you think about coaches not taking time to develop that center back. That's and huge. Huge. you are now stretched thin at that role because as you progress a lot, everybody is a midfielder or a forward and mm-hmm. you end up converting players. A lot of outside backs are typical flank forwards that they're playing an outside back. They're not players that grew up playing outside back. Center back is usually a person that's been a center mid, but you know, as True. they progress, maybe they become more of that, like sit back and watch. So the youth level needs to take time to actually develop defenders that now when you get to the, men's national team specifically, you have options versus having all these creators, which we love the creators and the goal scorers and the front four is fantastic, Mm -hmm. but you also need to have a solid back line. And when you look at the youth, as you talk about with Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, you've got a weird dichotomy of like too old, too young, too experienced and on the way out and not enough experience. You need stability at center back. It's one of the most important roles on the field. Goalie, all, it's all down the middle. Goalie, center back, center mid. And if you don't have two solid, steady center backs, it doesn't matter how good your attackers are, it becomes a shootout. It's so tough because obviously, like, it, when you're playing center back, you need a bunch of different things. You need to have the body size. You need right. to have the athletic ability. You need to be really disciplined. You need to have that killer instinct as well. I mean, there's going to be situations where you're going to be put in tough situations. How many times do we talk about you know, Glez is being blamed or Ellie being blamed for a goal because Mbizel didn't communicate mm-hmm. and they get put on the blame. It's it's definitely not easy. But I think for the U.S., they got to they have to figure out the defensive structure. It's not just the center backs for me. It's also yeah. that team defense as a whole, like you see here in Philadelphia. Tyler Adams, uh, I know he's really good at that, yes. especially as one of those holding defensive midfielders. And they really could use him as well. I think he's de- dealing with an injury. I didn't even see him in the in 18 for both matches. But yeah, no, you know, once he's healthy, that's him. that's one that's definitely going to help with that. And obviously, Moose, I love Yunus Musa. I love his versatility, <laughs> uh, and and that's definitely a great pairing with Tyler Adams as those two number those two uh, central defensive midfielders there in that four two three one. Yeah, yeah, you've got options there in the attack attacking side. But a lot of coaches will talk about their defensive shape as an area that they want to make sure is organized and is is consistent and steady. And defensively, you have to be, especially at this level, able to be on the same page where communication or not, whether it's verbal or not, you know, you know what each other's tendencies are. You know where you're going, you know where you're forcing, you know how you're sliding, how you're helping. And so it is important to not only figure out what that defensive shape is, but to get those reps and that comfort together that you have the chemistry as you step on the pitch to seamlessly move as a unit. So as you talk about, it's not just about locking in center back. It's about having a group that can play together consistently, do well. um, And then also like a player like Dest who moves from right to left or, you know, whatever it is, figure out where do guys work best? Mm -hmm. How do we move best as a, as a machine and operate well together so that you can stop giving up a three, one loss to Germany Mm -hmm. and finally be able to beat them. So Mm -hmm. I know we've, we've, we've gone off the deep end here, but it is something to keep an eye on for the men's national team, because obviously now after these two games, more to come um, up next as they are getting ready for November. Oh yeah. There's, it'll be here before you know it. And for the uh, quarterfinals for them drawing Trinidad and Tobago in the CONCACAF nations league quarterfinals. Um, They've got the automatic Copa America qualification up for grabs with that. You know, there's there's a lot that we are ready for in that clash of 2017 yeah. for the U.S. men's national team. So 
We'll see because uh, mm-hmm. definitely a lot of a good amount of question marks though for them. Yeah, I mean for them as well. You're looking at Nations League. You're looking at Concacaf as a whole. Canada right now, I don't know what the heck's going on. Obviously, they have their own drama <laughs> to deal with. But Mexico, with this new manager, seems like they're playing in a style that conduces their play a lot better. So we'll see how that works out for them. I definitely wouldn't sleep on Mexico. I know the United States have been enjoying the victories over Mexico <laughs> over these past few years. But it's definitely something to look out for as we're nearing 2023, 2026, or 2024, 2026. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's talk about what else you can take advantage of, and that's DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, at DraftKings, you are able to win money instantly. We love winning money, guys. It's it's great to not only save money, but it's also to put more back into your pockets. So with DraftKings, if you download the app um, and you use that code PHLY that is on your screen, new customers can save $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball, football, whatever it is that you're looking to bet on. It is Major League Baseball playoff time. Highly recommend you start betting on the Phillies in the NLCS because uh, they absolutely can help you win some money. So it's only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, you've got to be 21 plus. Age does vary by jurisdiction, though, and it's void in Ontario. You can see dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions also apply. Yeah, Renee knows ball. That's right. <laughs> Renee does know ball. Yes, Eugene Krabs. Welcome to Spiral Out, Eugene Krabs. Nice to have you guys here, Will. All of you guys in the chat, make sure you're liking, make sure you're commenting, joining the conversation. We've talked a lot about the international break, specifically looking at how Philadelphia Union players have done. We've also gotten into and dabbled with the U.S. men's national team as well, who are still figuring things out, as we talk about, especially on the defensive side. Uh, But there's been some other things that have been going on during this break. It's like a break time, you think it's a time to... Kick back, put your feet up, and relax. Our sport does not, not at sleep. All. <laughs> not at all, JP. No, not at all. So, of course, as well, besides what's been going on internationally, uh, we also did have salaries drop. We have salaries to talk about. No, we're not talking about our salaries. You guys want <laughs> to know about how much we're making. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the MLS salary. They did get updated yesterday. A lot of MLSers were on that phone, on that MacBook, looking at the updates. So I really want to give a big shout out to my dear buddy, Fabian Rankel. Please make sure you guys go follow him. He did us a solid of breaking it down the top 10 salaries in Major League Soccer. This is guaranteed compensation in 2023. And would you be surprised, Renee, if I told you that Lionel Messi was with $20.4 million as the guaranteed compensation? You know who was second? Lorenzo Insigne of the 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 dumpster fire that is Toronto, uh, he made fifteen point four mil this year. <laughs> and then you look at the rest list: uh, Shakiri from Chicago made eight eight mil. Uh, Chicharito, who didn't finish out, finish out the season, seven point four mil. The other partner of Lorenzo Insigne, Federico Bernaleschi, was six point two mil. Sebastian Drusi, six mil. Hector Herrera, five point two mil. Douglas Costa, 4.5 mil. Wow. That, that wow. I just got to say wow with that one. Christian Benteke <laughs> with 4.4 mil. And Josef Martinez, Miami, with 4.3 mil. Renee, you look at this list. The one thing that jumps out to me right off the bat is only one out of those 10 players is going to be playing in the playoffs. That's wild oh, to me. Oh, I thought you were going to say something different. So there's a lot of things that jump out to me. Uh, first of all, no surprise, as you mentioned, that Messi's <laughs> the, the highest play, paid player in the league. We know. Um, the league is, yeah. They know, yeah. No, no. It's and Messi there's nothing to argue there. Now. Yeah, and honestly, when you look at what Messi's done, you go on the MLS website, you go oh, on yeah. anything, and they have their own streaming updates, camera. You can, you can pay to see just a solo camera that's literally following Messi around the field. You can subscribe to a messy newsletter. They the, the league is fully <laughs> tapping in to messy mania. It's genius. I mean, you you think tapping into Taylor Swift is genius for the NFL. Well, Messi's yeah. right there for for soccer. There because was a shirt last night at the door of the tailgates. A messy Miami shirt. 
Shouts to Jimmy King for that one. He posted that on That's Twitter. That's hilarious. Outside That's of Wells Fargo Center, messy pink in Philly, during yeah. the craziness. Yeah. And I remember I was down in uh, Florida, actually, during a time that Inter-Miami was playing. And I was out at the Hard Rock, like, having a drink and hanging with people. And all of a sudden, a sea of pink comes in with all the messy uniforms. And I saw I saw whole families in messy uniforms, like parents, their, their kids, their toddlers, all rocking messy. Like, it's... It is fun. It's really it fun to watch. It's honestly, it's hard because Messi's always been my favorite player. Um, and obviously being that I, I talk about the union, you know, it's, it's got to separate those two. But uh, without a doubt, Messi deserving of getting that number one spot. John Blaze, welcome into the chat. We're actually talking about soccer right now, but uh, go Phillies, not D-backs. Go Phillies. <laughs> now, when you look across that list, it is remarkable to me that the highest paid players as you mentioned, only one of the top 10 is in the playoffs. What does that mean for the league? I, I, like, what does that say about the MLS? That the best players financially aren't on the best teams in terms of rankings. Like, in my opinion, does that mean you are spending your money better for those other teams? Hmm. Could it be that you're doing, like, quali- quantity over quality, which is usually the reverse, but in this case, you're spending, instead of, like, 20 million for Messi, you're going to get a couple of other guys for cheaper? Or does that mean that the other teams are just trying so hard to become a playoff team that they're just throwing all this money at their best players? It's just so funny. You even look back to Beckham to now all these big <laughs> oh, DP gosh. European players. These players do not guarantee you wins. What they are guaranteeing you is butts and seats. <laughs> Dollar signs for merchandise, and and that's that's pretty much maybe you're trending on Twitter for a little bit, but mm. these type of players are not going to bring you wins. If you look at some of the teams that are competing for MLS Cup, Eastern Conference, Western Conference championships, these are teams that spend their money in the smart way. Look at the Union; they're one of the lowest payrolls in Major League Soccer. That's because they spend their money in the right way, and mm-hmm. they also have a system that it works. It works really well. But yeah, for all you MLS teams, like it's cool seeing Messi wearing Miami. It is cool seeing the Italian brothers wearing Toronto. But if you want to win, because at the end of the day, if you don't win, you're going to hear from your fan base. And this mm-hmm. is what MLS teams need to start thinking about. I, it's, it's interesting you're in a tough place in Philly because I do want us to spend more money. But you can right. see what the consequences can be if you spend way too much and if you don't spend it in the right ways. You're winding up with these players. You're selling shirts but not putting wins. Yeah, exactly that. I think it does. Okay. We also live in a world nowadays where it's all about clickbait and oh, yeah. what's trending and what's For popular. Sure. And it's it's a double-edged sword. I'm not a huge fan of like how we're in the social media instant gratification, like bring in the influencer type of a mi- mindset. But that's essentially what some of these teams have done. And, ha- and you even go back to Beckham. That's clearly way before this social media era really took off. But that's always been the mentality of if you can't win in games, maybe you at least can get tickets sold and get people there. And now you're selling merch and you've got people at least talking about your team to hope that that will build an environment that will make other players want to come in and be a part of it. I don't know that that's always the case. Like, I don't know that every player. I'm a huge LeBron James fan, for example. Not everybody in the NBA wants to play with LeBron James. Kyrie Irving's a great example. And why? Because a a Messi, a LeBron, a Martinez, Beckham, whoever it is you're talking about, they – bring a lot with them. They do. They, the ball's at their feet a lot more in terms of soccer, obviously. Um, you know, the, a lot runs through them. The team is run through them. It's built around them. And not everybody wants that. Not mm-hmm. everybody wants to be the number two or three. They don't. They want to be Batman. They don't always want to be Robin. So I do think it's tough because, yes, you might bring in more fans, but you might not always guarantee bringing in other players that want to play with them. I, I think everybody wants to play with Messi in some capacity, but – if you had to choose between also playing with Messi or beating Messi, yeah. like a, as a competitor, that's the other side of it. I'd rather go maybe play with somebody else and we're beating Messi. Mm-hmm. And now I'm having that iconic moment versus I'm always just Robin, robbing Batman over there and following in his shadow. Yeah. So I do think there's so many other trade-offs. Now, here's an interesting point. Okay. Top three teams in the East right now. I didn't do the West. This is just for the East. Top three teams in the East as of this moment, Cincinnati, Orlando City, and the Union, of course. You want to know where the first player falls? If you want to guess a number, where the first player from those three teams falls in the salary range? 
I'm going to go three mil. Okay, wait, I'm sorry. Um, well, actually, that helps too. But no, that's wrong. The first player, so that's the top three teams in the East. I'm going to say it's Acosta. Luciano Acosta. No? No. Okay. Is it Corral Swiderski? Yes. Okay. For Charlotte, number 25 in the rankings. Okay. With two, not 2,000. <laughs> two million. It's 22, 5, 8. That's a lot. Of, right. I don't even know how to read these big numbers because I don't even know, like, what is 2,258,000? I do know these numbers. I'm lying. I'm a mathematician, too. Just kidding. <laughs> so, in the top, from the top three teams in the East, I had to scroll down to number 25 before I got to a single player on any of their rosters. There's nobody from Orlando City hired, nobody from the Union hired. The first player was Charlotte, who just won the Shield. Shield winners. Shield winners. Cincinnati, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong team. My bad. I'm th Listen, guys, it's been a long day. So even worse. That makes it even worse. I'm sorry. Bear with me here, guys. Let me keep scrolling then because that's why you were looking at me confused like I was crazy. It's not 25. It took me until I got to – let's just act like I never said any of that. It took me until I got to number 26, 7, 8. 28. It is Acosta. You were right, actually. Acosta of Cincinnati is – on a shield winning team making 2 million and sitting at number 28 in the salary and he might win he probably is going to win the MVP MVP best team in the league that's wild a team that is a favorite to win it all mm -hmm. and he's number 28 and again <laughs> Orlando the Union and for Cincinnati not a single player higher than 28 yeah. on that list and these are the top 3 teams in the east and the top teams in the whole league in terms of actual uh, standings. So when you talk about where you're spending your money, how you're spending your money, you know, you have Columbus Crew up there and the Revolution and Inter Miami's got a lot, obviously, and Houston Dynamo and LA Galaxy and Chicago Fire. But it takes you until the 28th player to get to someone that's on the top three team. I didn't do the whole league because obviously we know yeah. for the West – LAFC spends money, so they kind oh, of no, they kind of mess up that uh, whole our whole point that we're making here. But yeah, that's it. Just feeds into exactly what we're talking about. That the best teams aren't necessarily just spending millions and millions of dollars. It's a divide across their roster that they're paying less but getting more. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, we're talking about players right now, and you know, obviously, you're gonna need some merchandise for some of these players. Well, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you check out one of our dear friends, our dear sponsors, FOCO. They are the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more, ladies and gentlemen. And right now, when you use our promo code PHLY, you get 10% off. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you guys take advantage of this deal. You don't want to miss out on it. Get your merchandise. Guys, obviously, Red October is here. We're going to be in Blue November before you know it. Birds are killing it as well, so make sure you guys gear up on that, on that, on all your memorabilia. But I want to go over real quick, Ray. Our team, our top five salaries, all right? Hmm. Very interesting as well. Yeah, because you got to do some scrolling to get to them. They're not, they're not <laughs> high up on this list. You got to scroll for a little while before you finally get to a Philadelphia Union player. That is true. Ure. So number one <laughs> is Michael Ure. He's making 1.7 mil. Number two, the Gaz Daddy, Gaz Dag with 1.2 mil. Number three, Julian Carranza with not, uh, 950,000. Man, mm. it's just scoring goals and making 950K. Glezis with 900K. And then our captain, who we've talked about plenty, Ali Bedoya, leaving Philly with 780K. That's the top five right there. That's, that's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. They're some of the best players yeah. at their positions, and they're you know, making at most 1.7 million. And it just goes to it goes to show the plan that the union put in place and how well it is working. Now, how far can we go? Obviously, we have to answer that at the end of the season. But it is proven that if you have a good structure, you have a proven plan, you don't have to spend twenty point four million on Lionel Messi. You can have a good team with a payroll that's probably a a, a third or half of that. And honestly, okay, first. At first glance, when I looked at these numbers, I was very, very much surprised. And my initial thought was to look through at all of the 
union players and find where they are. And obviously you have to do some scrolling before you get there. But then as I started really factoring in how the other teams have been spending their money, it actually does make me kind of feel better. Yes, I agree. We, you should find a way to pay Kai Wagner. But then on the other side of that, now, while you were reading, I was doing another deeper dive into looking at the West. Yeah. And for the top three teams right now in St. Louis, LAFC, and Seattle, they do have one or two that are in that top 28. So again, the, the theory still remains the same, that across the top like 30, you might have two players that are representing the East, two players that are representing the top teams in the West. So it's not just the Philadelphia Union. You know, Cincinnati's not paying much. Orlando City's not paying much. The Union are not paying much. LAFC, surprisingly enough, is not paying as much either. It's, it's Carlos Vela. Yeah, it's like you cannot, you by no surprise. And then even for Seattle and for St. Louis, they're not paying as much. So weirdly enough, and ironically enough, maybe, across the list of clubs that each player is representing for these highest millions and millions and millions of dollars that they're getting paid, it's teams that are further down the rankings. You know, it's that, look, Chicago has has players in the mix. And, you know, um, LA Galaxy has players in the mix. And they're the, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. So are we wrong when we say pay Kai Wagner? Or is it maybe that these top teams are on to something a little bit more of, I know we talk a lot about the homegrowns and that yeah. being really a big emphasis for the union, but it seems as though... Something is actually working here. The union have consistently been a top team in the league over the last years. And Jim Curtin has mentioned that. He's like, people have been talking about how we've, we've underperformed. We feel like we're underperforming with all the draws that we've had and inability to get wins down the stretch. But when you look in the last six seasons, we've been at the top of the league in goals, in standings, in a lot of areas. And so we're, we're just being harder on ourselves. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously the pay Kai thing is so complicated, right? Because... We talked about it in one of our episodes. I think the highest paid fullback in this league right now is Richie Lorea, who's playing right. for Vancouver. And that's 1.1 mil. And Kai right now is making like 650K this this year. And it, that's just a tough part. Like, do you break the record for a team that notoriously doesn't spend a lot of money as we clearly just went over? And so that's always that is always going to be the tough part. But, I mean, yeah, the, look, you, these teams just constantly just dishing out money. And, like, I look at it and honestly, Renee, it's the same culprits too. I mean, yeah. Miami right now, obviously, it's, I think they're going to be a juggernaut next year. And obviously, when you get one of the best players, probably the best player of all time, it helps out. But LA Galaxy are back in this list. The Chicago Fire are back in this list. The mm -hmm. DC United are back in this list as well. And these are constant culprits of overspending on a lot of these players. And it's crazy that these teams can still get away with that. And I even look at like LA Galaxy, like this at one point was the team. Yes, this they was, were. This was the Yankees of yeah. MLS. And now they're, they're, they can't even keep up with this own team in their own town. Exactly. And LAFC, LAFC, St. Louis and Seattle spending a decent amount of money. But again, all players that are fitting the system that they're trying to create, mm -hmm. the, the, the identity that they want for their teams. And that's why it's working out so well too for those teams. It is remarkable when you look at the fact that, you know, Across the players that are making over a million dollars, it's still not a lot of players that are in the top three of their respective conference. So I'm just, you know, when you really scroll through and break down the numbers, and we can get into this more at a later time, when you really break down the numbers of even guys making more than a million dollars. So we looked at the top 25, and we didn't find anybody from the East, the top three teams in the East. It took until the number 28. But when you look across everybody making over $1 million, the top teams have one or two. They do have a yeah. couple here and there that they have paid over $1 million. But as you mentioned, it's a lot of those clubs that are at the bottom of the rankings that are not even – I mean, as we get into Decision Day this week, and we'll talk more about Decision Day in our show tomorrow for Friday's preview of the Saturday matches, it's teams that come Decision Day. They're just like, this is our final game of the season. Let's end on a high note. Adios, because it's it for them. There's yeah. nothing to play for in Decision Day except maybe a chance to play spoiler or at least get some, you know, get a result in your final outing. So overall, with the conversation, and I know we've talked about it with Ali Bedoya on the show. We've talked about it around Kai Wagner's news breaking. Is it that teams should be paying more money to to keep some of these better players, or is it maybe that the league has found a way to be kind of cheap? 
and successful with that and understanding that you're going to lose players to the Premier League or Champions League or wherever else, but you're going to still keep a, a good, solid level of talent yeah. that it's competitive. It's, you know, there's no clear favorite. It really, even like this season, a good example, Cincinnati wins the shield, but there's nobody you can clearly say is going to go into the MLS Cup and just it's walk open. into it. And it's, yeah. it's wide open. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a matter of what the league, I guess, wants to be defined as. But right now, it seems like there's a weird double-edged sort of like, yes, pay more people, but also maybe don't pay more people because it doesn't always equate to wins. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we're, all, we're talking about playoffs, and you obviously are going to want to watch those playoffs, especially here at Subaru Park. Well, ladies and gentlemen, right now we are, we are proudly sponsored by Game Time. And of course, any last second tickets, guys, World Series, NFL, you name it. Make sure you guys are using the Game Time app for all of your last second ticket buying. Definitely make sure you guys check them out. And right now with the promo code PHLY, you get $20 off if you're a first time user. So make sure you guys are a first time user. So make sure you guys check that out. I'm definitely going to be trying to use that up here as now we're gearing into hockey and, and basketball season. I'm looking forward to taking advantage of the game time app and you guys should as well. My last point on this, Renee, I'm curious how these salaries will change. Be mm. If we, if the rumors are true, they're going to alleviate some of the roster restrictions, some of the salary cap restrictions. How will that look going forward here? And more importantly, how will I look for our team? You know, we're talking about pay Kai. Does that open that up now? The uni finally spent some dough. Carranza, listen, I'm 92% sure he's gone after this year. How are you going to replace him as well? And I'm hoping that some of these roster restrictions, salary cap restrictions can help the union build some teams. What's up, Raynell? What's going on? Yes, Raynell, Eugene, everybody that's in the chat, you know, continue to subscribe, hit that like button, let us know your thoughts. It's definitely interesting to see how all these conversations have come out around money it is also interesting the timing of it with it being so close i mean decision days on saturday the regular season's wrapping up we already have um some teams that have clinched and know who they're playing but there's still some teams that are either trying to get in or also just trying to still play for seating trying to secure a home game there's a lot up for grabs and here comes the just the discussion about money as you talk about a lot up for grabs there's a Cash lot of money that people wish was up me. for grabs it's just a weird timing for all these things because on top of that, you've got the international break. You've got a time where players are leaving their clubs to go over, play and represent their, play with and represent their countries. So I don't love the fact that we're even having these conversations about money at this time where the focus should be on playoffs. But you know everybody's doing it. Yeah. You can't, as a player, it's, it's like if your company was to drop the salaries of you and your colleagues, you mean to tell me you're not going to go look? You want to see what you're making in comparison to other people and how it stacks up. And right now, if I'm if I'm looking at this as a player, I'm doing exactly like we did. Okay, you're not even in the playoffs. You might be getting paid more than me, but you're not in the playoffs. Or maybe I need to be looking a little different in terms of the conversations that I'm having. And some people might be focused on the money. Some people might be focused on winning hardware. Or, Depending on what your priorities are, you might be looking at this excited or ready to go have a conversation with your front office. Or how about like a player, <laughs> like for example, like a Dallas player starts looking at this and he hears the hashtag pay Kai and they're like, well, yeah, maybe pay Hashtag Kai. pay me too. <laughs> <laughs> pay me too because I'm not making much money either. It's not just Kai Wagner that's getting shorted. On this list, there's a lot of names that are very low. We talk about MVP candidates, players, front runners for the MVP that are not even in the top 25 of the league in terms of salary. Yeah, it, it seems like we need to get a lot more hashtags going than just pay Kai Wagner because the <laughs> league as a whole needs to reevaluate how the pay structure is. I don't know. I'm not an expert on, on pay. I don't listen. I'll be honest. I'm not one that overly pays attention to everybody's salaries across every league and contracts and things like that. Philadelphia but does. Pretty for sure. typically. The better players are the ones getting paid the most money. For sure. And it seems like the MLS somehow has that, you know, these are great players. I mean, Messi's the best player, don't get me wrong. But in terms of, like, how your team is actually yeah. doing, the better your team does, the more you get paid. Not always the case in the MLS. I, I think with the popularity continuing, because, like, I think, like, like, what you don't want is, like, the NBA. Where, like, you look at James Harden, like, he can now, like, force his way out of a city. Yeah. Like, that's where you don't want to get. But with the popularity of this league and the sport as a whole, there is going to be more money. And also, there's going to be more of a clamor. Because, like, look, we have the access now. But now, if more eyes get access mm -hmm. to this, noise starts getting created. And, you know, 
ownership starts feeling the pressure. Yeah, the best way to address the elephant in the room is to talk about it. You cannot Amen. continue to tiptoe around these conversations around pay. Money is a really awkward thing to talk about, but it's a great point you're bringing that seeing these in in order, you can organize it by whatever you want, by club, by base salary, by compensation, by last name, first name, that you can literally go through this list and take a deep dive into it. And now you have to have these conversations. If I'm in the front office somewhere, I'm having these conversations like, all right, JP, here's where we are. Here's where the other teams are. Here's what we maybe should be looking to do differently because this is a way to kind of like, Let's take the blindfold off. Let's mm-hmm. take a look at it for what it is and figure out how you can make sure you're paying your players what they deserve to be paid. So now when they step on the pitch, they feel valued. They yeah. feel like you understand their worth. And they're going to go out and perform at a higher level knowing they've, they're getting the, the checks that they deserve. So definitely something that as we continue to keep an eye on decision day and playoffs will only make those types of you know, analysis that much more interesting. Yeah. But we've got more to talk about, of course, in our Friday show, JP. We'll I'm be excited. talking about Decision Day. We'll be previewing the game for the Union as the, their final regular season game. Everybody playing at the, on Saturday at the same time and shaking out how the playoff seating is going to be, what that final picture looks like, who gets home game, who, who's playing who. So it's only going to get more exciting here for us on PHOI Union Podcast. F- Friday football, not football Friday, Friday football. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Only JP. here. Only here, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, checking out all of our content that we're dropping along social media, along our podcast platforms. We're bringing you shows each week. We also have Larry, who's contributing articles that you can check yes. out and does a great job of writing pieces, whether it's about our players with the union or how they're representing on their international duties and much more. So as always, follow us at PHLY underscore union across Twitter and on everything social media at PHLY underscore sports as we've got more to dive into Friday previewing the union versus the new England revolution. Have a good one guys. Like the mayor.